Sean Anthony. Welcome to For the Love of Podcast. Man, listen, I'm excited to be here, man. You know, anytime, Billy, you're doing something, I'm, I'm with it. Let's do it. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited to hear that. And let's dive in, man. So as a 14-year-old, you're throwing parties with artists like Rick Ross. Your brother's a party promoter. You become a party promoter. That's amazing. And that was like the root of your entrepreneurial journey. I want to go back a bit further. What was your early childhood life and how did that inform the human being you are today? Yeah, man. Uh, earlier than 14, uh, I had both parents, fortunate enough to have both parents, you know, coming from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. A lot of my friends didn't have both parents. Um, so I had both parents. My dad, I think, I think you look back at people's DNA and really see if they had that championship DNA. And luckily I had it. My father was a professional bodybuilder. He had won like Mr. North Carolina, like three, four times, uh, just crushing it. My mom had climbed the highest, the highest level of corporate. And the crazy thing about just like my life in general is when I go back to maybe about seven years old. So as a young kid to seven years old, I stayed in a trailer. You know, and then I saw, you know, my mom educate herself. I saw my dad become this champion. And we went from like this crazy side to a more stable side uh, in the city. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that really stood out to me. And prior to that, it was just paying attention. I always would just pay attention to people. And there was times where my mom would just help me just speak and talk. And I remember like it was yesterday I was in second grade, right? You got to think about your early memories. I remember I was in second grade. There was this book called like a Burr Rabbit and like the, the the tortoise, the turtle. You may have heard of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. They had a contest on this book on who could read this book. And I don't even remember what the prize was. Oh, the prize was like this trophy of some sort. It's one of my earliest childhood memories. So it's like 30 kids reading this book. Man, I read that book like my life depended on it. And I got that <laughs> first place trophy. I got off that bus and I ran home with it in my hand. So... Uh, man, ever since then, I, I just paid attention to what people noticed about me, but I also paid attention to my family and watched them come out of you know, pretty much nothing or something. Wow, what a cool story, man. Okay, so clearly your parents played a role in influencing you. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned from them that's helped you on your own journey? I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from them is you just got to work hard at whatever you believe in. Um, and, and it's funny now that I'm actually saying this out loud because Sometimes there's a lot of people listening probably to your show. Sometimes we have a side hustle. We really passionate about that side hustle and we don't know when to lean into it and believe it. You know, my dad was a, a probation officer and he was doing this side hustle. You can say a bodybuilding and it became a champion. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that that taught me a lot as well as, you know, to see, you know, the drive my mom had regardless of just going to work and just keep climbing that ladder. I think they put that hunger inside of me with that. for Sure. Man, okay, so they're putting the hunger inside of you. What about this party promotion part of your journey? Like clearly, and I relate because I threw parties not not at 14, but at my early 20s, I was doing big elaborate parties. And there's a certain amount of this process of creating an experience, this process of bringing people together, this hype that you got to create, almost this excitement and anticipation for this event. If you're not good at it, you fall on your face. But if you're good at it, you're the hero. So what is what is some of the, the, the things that helped you excel then? But more importantly, how did those things teach you how to excel today? Yeah, I think some of the things that excelled then is that, you know, I think about like just the party game in general, right? Like when I was 14, yeah, I got in the party game, but I got in the party game because I went to an actual homecoming where, you know, my brother had like young Jeezy, he had Rick Ross, he had everybody. And I'm in VIP at 14, standing on couches, and I'm looking around, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how, okay, how is this happening? How are these people here? You know, why are these people outside waiting in a skip line? How much he charging? And I took, you know, everything I, I saw around me, and I took it back home. I took it back to Rocky Mountain. And I remember we threw our first ever party, man. We threw our graduation party. But I want you to think about this right now. Imagine a 14-year-old trying to throw an 18-year-old graduation <laughs> I couldn't even imagine anybody wanting to come, but they did because our marketing strategy is that we went to like every school within a 10-mile radius. And I remember that night, man, counting that money, we made over $6,000. And that put that hunger inside of me of realizing, okay, networking, marketing, team, collaboration. You know, that's what I was learning. You know, that's what I was learning. And then, you know, everyone talks about going to school and going to college. Everybody remembers like their first day at college, their mom dropped them off. Listen, man, my first day before college, literally 24 hours before college, 
I was at an apartment complex with huge party promoters, probably slash drug dealers, whatever you want to call them. It was like a full on like recruitment strategy. All right, Sean, when you get there, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to get a team. You need to figure out what you want to do. And they, they were just in drilling this inside of me. So I remember my first day in college, I was already looking at people in the calf. I was already sizing people up. Okay, now you need to roll with me. Okay, you need to do this. You know, and I look at that now and you think about it from what I'm doing now in the podcasting space, a lot of this networking, collaboration and marketing. And it's so funny, even the title of episodes, dude, I threw parties. I had to call parties like make it nasty or whatever. Like, like you, you think about right, those titles. Right. For, for to get people excited to come to a party, I'm doing the same thing with podcasting. I love it, man. That's so funny because you're so right. The title matters for a party, for a podcast episode, for a show. Okay. So, okay. So you, you ended up, you know, going to college and then, and then having your corporate career, six promotions in four years. Clearly you learned something there, but I want to know what you learned about yourself <laughs> in corporate. Man, I learned I was hella valuable, and I don't even think they could put a price tag on me. Like, I, like it, 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 it was just so obvious, and like you, you, you kind of got to get outside of your, yourself and really look at it. You know, almost like you're looking at what you're doing. You're like, oh, oh, wait, you know, and because there was times where you know I was doing these huge presentations. I remember a couple things. I was doing huge presentations in front of like CEOs or the person right below a CEO. And all these people would sit down as I would stand up and I would give it. And I would, I would watch how they were looking at me. And then I would watch their response after I said it. You know, and I saw the programs that were putting me on to speed me on through. And I remember the collaborations I was making. And I just always remember in my gut never truly feeling like the price tag on me was ever high enough. Right. Mm. And sometimes if you listen to sometimes you got to go in order for people to realize that. And it kind of, you know, even if you're, you know, looking back at your childhood or you're looking back, you know, at, at high school friends or what may have you, some people get too comfortable and too familiar with you not to see, yo, they are really on something different. I think that's what really stands back out to me when I look at that, you know, that time in my life. And it makes perfect sense because when you're in an environment where you're surrounded with other people and you can, understand better your own worth and value you're providing for the organization. It, it fuels the confidence. It gives you the courage to go out on your own and do something. So in 2018, you start your podcast schools over now, what which is such a great title because we all think that when we leave school and let me be really blunt, you enter this podcast space. Let's be real. Podcast space is a bunch of old white dudes. Okay. It really is. Right. Like, and even then, I mean, it's changing and you're a part of that change, but how much does the diversity and then the need for diversity in the podcast space, how much has that fueled you? And do you have a sense of responsibility uh, as a black man to, to really be, you're at the forefront. Like really you, you, you were, you were inspiring other people. How important is that to you as part of your own legacy? That's everything, man. That's one of the main reasons that made me get into the whole game. Because uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I took a job promotion I shouldn't I shouldn't have ever had taken, but now I would not be doing podcasting if I didn't take it. I took this job, man. It took me six hours away from my family. I was driving uh, three hours from North Carolina to VA, and then I was driving three hours back from VA back to North Carolina. And as I was doing it, you know, I was about to then fall asleep. And I, and I remember stumbling across, you know, I was at this Dunkin' Donuts and I remember stumbling across like this weird purple app. You know, I'm just trying to stay up on <laughs> the music. And I started listening to these guys, Billy. It was like, it was like Ed Milet. It was like Chris Drummer Path. It was like Evan Carmichael, all these guys. And they, they were dope. They were great. But they didn't look like me. They didn't sound like me. And I just saw a missing opportunity. And I just saw, you know, that there are so many people, you know, that would resonate with my message if I stay true to my message. But most importantly, if I just do it, you know, and, and, and I knew that. All those people I went to college with after a party promotion, I would see them on Facebook just struggling. I'd see them on Instagram just struggling, not knowing what to do after college was over, not knowing what to do, you know, what was next for their life. And I knew if I could create a show, if I could bring in, you know, these experts, these entrepreneurs, these celebrities, because I've been around celebrities all my life. If I could do that and have them tell their stories on how they got to where they are today, we might be on to something. And, and, and as a black person, for me, I knew they didn't have access. And I know that's the catch, right? That catch is the access, you know? And even to this day, I still see it whenever I'm interviewing somebody, you know, whether in person or whether in virtual, like I, I see it, I see it in their eyes when I'm seeing them in front of them, but I also see it even on the computer screens like me and you are right now. I remember when 
I interview uh, Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles, the very first time. We talk a lot. Interviewed him probably four times publicly. And I remember the very first time I saw him, within 30 seconds, he said, oh, snap, they didn't tell me he was a black man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it, it, it's a need, man. And I, I do feel the responsibility behind it, but I also see the longevity. and It's a long play. Well, you bring up Matthew Knowles, and I'm glad you did because I know he's somebody that's very important to you. He's almost uh, a mentor, mm-hmm. and you've even described him as an uncle's type of figure mm-hmm. to you. Why, why is that? What, what are some of the things that you've learned from him, not only through your conversations publicly, but also some of the conversations you've had? Because you, you are a master network builder. I, I know that about you. I've seen it firsthand just watching you on Clubhouse mm-hmm. and observing the way in which you build relationships. How have you built that relationship with him and how has it paid off? Like, what are those learnings? Oh, uh, man, you're talking about access. I mean, it, I can't even think of nobody who has a bigger star as a daughter. I, I don't I don't know nobody. <laughs> like, yeah, you no, talk, no. We're talking Beyonce. I, no, yeah, I don't know nobody. Seriously. Um, it, it, the conversation is different. I remember the first conversation I had with him. Uh, yeah, it, it just humbled me. It was a. It was after we had talked the very first time. We got off the the podcast. And I don't know how this happened. We got on the phone, so we did a podcast for like an hour, and then somehow we immediately just get on the phone after it was over, with. and we were just talking and just talking. And he was like, "Yo, what do you want to do with this? Like, what do you want to do with this thing? You know, I'm 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 high. I'm I'm happy. I'm high on the cloud. I'm like, yo, I'm trying to be the best at it. I'm trying to be the biggest. La la la. And he says, okay. So if I got the phone with you right now and I call a couple of my friends, would they know your name? And I was like, dang. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I got some work to do. I got some work to do. You know what I'm saying? So like, and, and then just the strategy. There's a lot of strategy. You know, there's a lot of tips. He definitely gave me to get people's attention. And there's also insight. You know, one of the biggest things he ever did for me personally is that there's, there's always been people trying to recruit me to be a part of like networks and things like that. And, you know, having somebody like that in your corner to take a glance at something before you do something. That's a plus, man. That's a Mm. plus. Okay. So I want to, I want to peel back the onion a little bit. You don't have somebody as famous as Beyonce be your daughter without playing an influential role, unless you're completely not there, but clearly He's mm-hmm. been there for you, so I'm imagining he's there for her. Mm-hmm. What do you think he did right with her to allow her to rise? Because she's, to your point, I mean, who on the planet is more well Very few people are as well-known as Beyonce. And, and also, I'm inspired by her generally. I think she's amazing. So curious, what do you think he did to help her as a parent? You're a parent. I'm a parent. Maybe we could learn from him yeah. and some of the things that he did, did well. Dude, I asked him the same question. And Did it, you? It, okay. Yeah. And the answer, the answer was he allowed for her to be herself, and he put steam on it. See, a lot of times, steam. Kids, kids say, "Oh, I want to do this, mommy. Oh, I want to do this, daddy," and no one really acknowledges it, and not only just acknowledges it, but put steam on it. He put the mm-hmm. steam on it. What I mean by put the steam on it, he invested into it. He said, "Okay, that's what you want to do. All right." Because he, he even told me he was like, "Hey, if she wanted to be uh, a doctor, right, a doctor, and grow up and be, you know, well." You know, world-renowned doctor. He told me he would have made it his mission to, by the time she got the education, to own the hospital. Mm. You know, so like, like I think having a parent that sees what you're doing and not look at it like, okay, that's weird. Or, okay, oh, good luck to you. But saying, oh, you like doing that? Okay, how about we do a little bit more of that times ten? And that's what he did. I love that. It's a great way of framing how parents often they they're good at saying no they're good at explaining why you shouldn't or can't do something but the 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 opposite of that is putting the steam on it to help accelerate put yourself in position or put them in position to excel going back to this idea of of building relationships because i think it's foundational in your success one of the things you do a few things one pre-covid you were flying around meeting your guests in person so super curious about that the second thing that I know you do is you establish not just a, a relationship on social media or through email, but also texting. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about why it's so important and, and historically, obviously pre COVID for you to go and be there in person. And then how do you transition somebody from just being somebody you have a relationship with on social media to actually having their phone number in <laughs> your phone? Yeah, man, that's good. Good questions. I, I think for the first part of that, I, I think, man, and I, I don't, I don't, I will say, I won't even say I think because it's fact. I know. And I got this from Ed Milet when I was with him. And I, 
proximity changes everything. Those are the exact words when he was talking to me. It just changed. Proximity changes everything. And I think about like pre-COVID, just traveling to people. There's something that happens when you travel to people. One, you see how serious you are because everybody ain't doing it. You know, and then, mm-hmm. and, and then too, like it shows so much respect for them that, that the fact that you say, you know what, I'm going to get in front of you. And even doing that, it just gives you the surroundings, the settings. Sometimes you got to get in certain atmospheres that you would never normally be in to even see that they're possible and that they exist. You know, even to this day, I can still tell you that water in Laguna Beach smelled different <laughs> than any water I ever smelled in my oh, life. Like, it funny. was just different. You know, like the, the air was different. The sun was hitting the house different. It was like, like you almost had to pinch yourself to see if you really was there because you see it so much on Instagram sure. and YouTube. And you're like, you know, I'm really here. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it like a historic site? Like, you know what I'm saying? That's but amazing. It's a different vibe to it. You know, and every area is different. You know, I was, I was in Laguna. I was, uh, I've been at Dave Max's house. That was a different vibe. I was in Miami. I've been in, like, there's, there's so many different things. You know what I'm saying? But I would say definitely pre COVID. Proximity changes everything. And now the world seems like it's getting back closer to normal. We're about to do that again. And then the second part of your question is really like how you, you know, mastering the social, the social, you know, online and then be able to get personable on, on a text message. I think you got to always think about the number one thing. And the number one thing is how can I help this person? How can I build a community with this person? Or who can I introduce them to? I find pride in introducing people to people that they should know. You know, because that, that's the connector piece. You know, and I was just there's so many people I've done that with, even on Clubhouse. I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. You know this person, you should know this person, and this is why mm. you should know this person, uh, because that's important. But I think the way to really get the text happening for me, I I, I usually interview guests, and I can kind of sense it. I can kind of sense. It. I can kind of see the vibe. I can kind of see where we're going. Um, and, and surprisingly, now I'm at the point now where they're doing it more than I am, you know, before it's even over. Like, oh, by the way, you'll text me, you know, send me this, you know. And the thing about it is the higher you get up, the more people you speak with, the more open they are to help you. Yeah. Completely opposite. What you just said, you just laid down a bomb and I don't want it to go uh, without acknowledging that you were super casual. Hey, send me a text. Right. It's this assumptive because. It's not like, oh, can I please have your phone number where you're begging <laughs> for it, right? I come from sales, and, and I know you, you as well. As, yeah. you, know, you, you understand that importance of being assumptive, being casual. It's conversational. It's like you're, you're, you're your friend, right? You're having that backyard conversation, not a telemarketer asking if you can you know, sell them something. <laughs> and, and, and it's so, 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 and you so subtly did it. So, you know, hey, you know, send me a text. Oh, hey, I want to send you a quick text. What's your number? Something super casual like that. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot here, man. Okay, so I'm going to list, I'm going to say a name. I want you to tell me either a story or something that got you in the door for the person I'm going to share, okay? For the person I'm going to ask, okay? okay. If, you, if, you, if you remember, okay? Here we people. go. Okay, <laughs> Seth Godin. Uh, he hates the word hustle. That, that, and, the reason, and I remember interviewing him. And I said something about hustling or something or because he said something he was doing. Like, man, so you just hustling? I can tell really quick. He, he don't like the word. He, I think he might have said it. He don't like that word hustle. But that's the first thing. But what got me in the door with Seth, uh, just the credibility of the people I already had on the show. So you you mentioned subtly in, a, in, a, in an email or a, a direct message through social media some of the, the previous guests and that, yeah, that helped. Yeah, it was Seth, with Seth in general, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there, there's so many people I had on my, my show that he either one knows about or follows, but I can't tell you the good story about it though. So Seth obviously is a big, big, big time person. Oh, legit. Books. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Listen, Seth is known for blogging. And I remember the day I had interviewed him after I had interviewed it and interviewed him and put it up he put it in his blog and that was it and that what? was and it was like the highest rank i even had the link saved like in, to my notes you know that's like that's like media press for self go to yeah so, that's insane man yeah, so when self put me in his blog i was like oh, okay that episode was tight <laughs> you know what i'm saying he liked wow. that one, you know cuz he cuz he could put anybody in his blog when he totally, did that man. i was like that's legit wow what a story man i didn't know that okay ed Milet. Listen, that guy should do a movie. He got movie star. Aura. <laughs> he has aura, man. Like, yeah, like, he's like the, the internet doesn't do him justice. He got aura. He has like a vibe. 
Um, I got plenty of you know thoughts on that, uh, just stories. What got me in the door is that so many people on my podcast, I asked people to tag me, you know, tag me, they're enjoying it. But there was this thing where people were just tagging like their top five podcasts. It was just like something going on that people were just doing. And they had tagged me. I remember her name was like Sammy Beatrice or something like that. Her name is Sam, Sam Rays. She tagged me and Amalette next to each other, like just a picture of our cover art and said, these are my favorite podcasters. Mm. So I just shared it. I just shared it. And I said, oh yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy to see that in person. That'd be crazy. And Amalette slid in my DMs and I screenshotted it. I got all this stuff. So he slid in my DMs and he said, let's make it happen. And I was like, man, is this really him? Is this really, is this really happening? Let's make it happen. And I was like, all right, let's make it happen. And he gave me his private email that's not available. So he gave me, it's like to his assistant or person that's directly, you know, with him. And he gave me the email and I was like, all right, I'm doing this. And I already knew, I already knew when they said yes, I already knew I was flying him. I didn't care. Like, all right, I said, all right, I'm doing this. I'm doing this in person. I'm going to fly to you. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I got the address and all that. And it's so crazy because even sometimes when good things happen to you, you tend to try to think some bad things are going to happen that's going to stop it. Oh, like get, yeah, yeah, get, yeah, sure. You get there, you're like, man, shit, why? What if they don't pick the phone up? Or what if they don't open the door? And I remember going down the stairs uh, at his house because there's like a hill and then you have to go down. He has a couple houses, but the house that's famously on the internet. Yep, yep. So, so I go down these stairs and it's like nothing but glass, the entire ocean. It was crazy, man. And I remember ringing the doorbell and ain't nobody come to the door. And I was like, this is crazy. I had my guy with me, had a camera gear and stuff. I was like, this is crazy. I said, so we're kind of early. Let's, let's just wait a while. So I turn around, I go up the stairs, and then I hear this big voice yell, like, yo, like a voice, like, what's that? It's like, it's like, it's like yo, come on down. I love and, it. And, and, and I, I looked around the corner. It was there in my lap. I just say he had, like, the rock personality. Like, like, okay. like that's, that's the core he give you. It's like, yo, come on down. You know, this big guy. And then as I'm coming down the stairs, there were people already there that were like our celebrities that are like on ESPN 30 for 30. Like I just seen them on TV last night. Um, and he was like, Sean, you know these guys? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know them, but I've seen them on TV. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you, should, you should get to know them. You should get to know them. And that's, a, so that's one of my, my cool and my last stories. I'm curious about something. As you, I, I want to go into to Grant Cardone in a minute because you talked about what could go wrong. And I know it almost <laughs> went sideways with Grant Cardone, but before... Yeah. We get into that. And by the way, I got my turtle in my hand because you had that story. I got a turtle. On my de- <laughs> I got my turtle on my desk. So what does the email or DM look like? One thing you could take like a very humble approach or you could take a very not humble approach where you're bragging or you could take it in, like there's so many different ways you can frame it. Is it long? Is it short? You included a screenshot. So it, does it change every time or do you have any? suggestions or advice or something that's worked from like the actual dna of that note that you send along with the screenshot oh yeah yeah. the only thing i was talking about screenshot i screenshot it when i let dm me so i can have it for my own proof that, that it's really that this really happened but I no but i'm saying the, the dm the the screenshot of uh of the picture of your your artwork next to his artwork Okay, got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. Yeah, that that right there was just the, the the ability of having your own tribe and community really going so hard for you that it's just undeniable, and they want to see y'all together. You know, I remember one of the first things he said to me as we were going down this spiral staircase to finally get to those two white chairs that everybody sees. He looked back and said, "Sean, I see you getting those ratings, you getting those reviews. It's pretty hard, isn't it? You know, so that 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 having the community the community doing that was was just pretty dope, man." Um, but the actual pitch, what the pitch looks like, and the approach that I take that's worked very well, you have to, one, tell people about your show and why you chose them, right? You have to tell them why, why you chose them in particular. And then you have to also then tell them about, you know, of course, previous guests that have been on your show that are in alignment to what you just said, you know? So I'm like, and, and that changes. So like previous guests on your show, if you're trying to attract a certain person, let's say you were trying to attract uh, Ed, right? And and he never heard of you. So he had already heard of me through Instagram. But he, if he never heard of me, I would go down a list of people, you know, in my initial pitch that's been on his show that have been on mine. So mm-hmm. I would go like Gerard Adams. I would go Jasmine Starr. I would go Ryan Surhan. There's a couple more, you know. Because mm-hmm. so, so so he was still early, like 42. He was like your 40. Like, yeah. So by that point, you didn't have that many that you could pull from. But Correct. You, still had, you still found some. That's smart. Yeah. I had a couple. On the, I, think I, might have, I think I had Trent Shelton. I had a, I had a couple. And a couple yeah. he was familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all you need, right? Yeah, that's, that's all you know. need. And you don't want to go down a long list and get somebody 20 names, man. No, Just give them like you know, four, four, yeah. four days. They can really be like, okay, this is legit. 
you know, and, and, and the pitch changes, you know, so that pitch, those names, I wouldn't use that pitch to, to everybody. They might not be relate to it, you know, but if I'm pitching, you know, Grammy Award winners like Estelle, right, I'm dropping Matthew Knowles. Yeah. I'm, dropping, I'm dropping some, you know, I'm dropping Mims who had the number one song in the world in 2007. I'm, I'm changing the credibility based off the person I'm trying to attract. And then the last thing is that, like, whenever you send an email, a lot of times people in that pitch, they say, please join us. Nah, we ain't saying please join us. Last thing I'm going to tell you is I look forward to your reply. <laughs> mm. it, 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 it works, man. It works. I love it, man. Okay, so be specific. Make sure that you're thoughtful about who you include as a reference point from a, a previous guest standpoint, somebody that they could relate to. Not, And it mm. might not be the same for one person versus another person. Okay, a couple more and then we'll move on. Let's go to grant which you could maybe tell the story about how it almost went sideways but also how did you get in the door i know it was, it was hard i mean grant's grant's a big name getting yeah. with him what was the process well the thing is i mean like uh, you gotta think about it too though billy like when i got grant this was pre clubhouse clubhouse right. made it a lot easier for people i'm just true. saying that true yeah yeah no <laughs> doubt no it doubt more easier. access this yeah is, this is this was the pre clubhouse right so that's right game has um, changed yeah, the game's changed. That's our man. little secret, man. Don't tell anybody else that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so what I what I would do, right? Like, I, I remember I launched a show in June 2018, and I think I was even trying to get Grant, man, in like July. I think I was trying to get Grant yeah, in like, July. You're going for it. I love I was it. Just going for it. And then Grant was like, hey, man, um, let's do December. And then December came around and it just wasn't possible. You know, it was like, all right, let's do, you know, let's do later on. Let's do like, you know, February, March, whatever, right? And then we finally agreed on a date. And so when we finally got the date right, I had just got back from Laguna. I just got back from Laguna. I had just met with like four or five people out there. We had the date correct. And he said, all right, let's do it. And I remember, you know, it was it was literally maybe like three, three days before I was supposed to take my flight to Miami. I got an email from his assistant. I'm not sure if she's still his assistant anymore, but I got an email and she was like, hey, Sean, Grant no longer will be able to meet with you in person. Like he had like some real estate. He had something he had to do. And she was like, he'll no longer be able to meet with you in person. He will be able to do video. And I was like, oh, that ain't gonna work. I said, I done bought these. I done bought the hotels. I done, I done paid for flights. I'm like, this, this cannot happen. Yeah. And I remember, and then go back to what me and you were talking about earlier, is that the higher you get up, the more willing people are to help you to some extent and somehow. And I just went on the limb because I remember being on Ed Mallet's couch and he kept saying, who do you want? Who do you want? You know, like, like you know, something like that. And I, I'm going to help you. So I shot him a text. So I text him. Goes back, it goes back to that text thing you said earlier too. That's man. right. It's so Get important. him on text. But like, like how you get up, it happens because Ed didn't say text me. I didn't ask for his number. So I text him, right? I said, listen, I'm supposed to be going to Miami. Um, I'm supposed to go to Miami. I'm supposed to go be interviewing Grant Cardone. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen in person. I don't know if I should go down there. And he was like, listen, man, you need to get on that flight. You need to get on that flight. I can't make no promises, but I can tell you that, that grant was hard for me to get. Uh, you, you need to get on that flight. You need to show up in Miami. So after I had this conversation with you know Ed at the time, I woke up the next day. So this is less than 24 hours. I got a text message. And I'm sorry, I got an email. An email said, hey, Sean, things have changed. Grant will be able to meet with you in person now. Mm. So go so so you talk about like the power connections. The power connections is crazy, man. It's crazy uh, that the power of building relationships is just crazy. Because I'm pretty sure that would have been like a, a video interview. I would have lost some money on the hotel, lost money on the flights because you can't get flights back. That's um, right. So yeah, it would have been it would have been a, a buzzkill. Uh, but we made it happen. We were in Miami. Uh, his studio was absolutely amazing, and we made it happen. Recorded. I love it. What a great story. Okay, we'll do one more. I'll let you choose between Ryan, Sirhan, Evan Carmichael, and Estelle. Any any story, anything that would be a valuable from a, a guest booking standpoint or anything else you think would serve the audience, uh, I'll let you take the lead on which one you want to share. You said, you said Ryan, Sirhan, Estelle, or uh, Evan Carmichael? Yeah, or, or someone else. You know, if you have another person who's like, oh, no, I got to tell you the story about this person. I'll leave it to you, man. You know your stories better than I do. Yeah, man. Every story is different because I, I like I don't become Sean Anthony, a celebrity podcaster, without jumping and being bold enough and go, going for Ryan Sirhan. It just won't happen because there's because there, there's there's things that you do in life, and like you can either stay on the same path or you can take a leap that could change your, your whole trajectory. Like it could just change everything. You know, mm -hmm. I remember episode seven. Like I had just finished interviewing like DJs, cool people at school, and something told mm -hmm. me go harder, and I took a leap, and I, yeah. and I said, you know what? I like Bravo. I like this guy in this suit. 
I'm a holler at him. See if I can get yeah, on the show. Yeah, man. I used to watch Billy Dollar Listed all the time. I'm very <laughs> yeah, familiar still, with Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I still do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. And then they finally, okay. gave my, they finally gave my man a spinoff. So I was like, <laughs> all right, let's, let's make it happen. And, and I remember, and, and this is so crazy, but I think about how the, how the game was just even different back then, 2018. It, just, it was different. I remember he directly gave me a cell phone number. I just, rem- I just remember it was different. He was doing his vlog at the time, and he was doing the vlog. And he was like, anything, anytime you ever saw him, he was always, probably still to this day, he was always driving, he was always traveling in the car. He has like this driver. He's always like going through New York. And he takes all his meetings like on his phone. So that's probably why he gave me his phone number. And so this is early off in podcasting. And I remember him picking up the phone. And at first he picked up the phone. He was about to do a deal. He's like, hey man, I need like five minutes. Call me back in like five minutes. So I was like, all right, I don't know where this is going. You know, so I called him back and we we did the, the interview. So to my I didn't even know this, but he was being recorded from his team the entire time. And I could have flown to Ryan episode seven. He asked me, but I wasn't ready. I just started his podcast. I did not know how serious I was going to take this thing. So his team is recording him the entire time while he, while, while he you know, is, is having his interview with me. And I'm asking the best questions. I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, yo, I got this big guy. I'm going to do everything I can. I said, within the first 30 seconds, I broke the ice with him and it changed the game. I said, hey, man. I don't want that Ryan Serhan I see on Bravo all the time wearing that pinstripe suit. I don't want the Ryan Serhan that has got the white tea on his mama's couch eating Oreo ice cream. Let me get that guy. <laughs> and you could you could tell by his whole, his whole voice is like, oh, like he like, like he could tell. Like I done my research. I knew what got him comfortable. I knew what he liked. And I said that and he gave me the interview. I, I ain't never seen him give an interview like that, even to this day. And you know how you, you do an interview with somebody, and then later on, they keep doing interviews, and you're like, man, you said that on my shit. <laughs> you, say, you know, like, like the reason why is because they knew it was hot. They knew it was, yeah. like, quality content. They knew they needed to keep repeating it because yeah. more people will rela- resonate with it. And so he was just going to drop a bomb after bomb, asking him every question you could think of. And he puts it up on YouTube. The reason why I want to tell the story, he puts it up on YouTube and my podcast wasn't big at the time. I was just getting started, man. I was only episode seven. So the whole time this is up and it's still up to this day, people are, you can hear my voice distinctively. You can hear my voice. There's even a clip that I posted a couple months back. You can hear my voice distinctively. And people are commenting, yo, who is he talking to? Who is he giving all this, this, this stuff to? Where can I hear the rest of this? Yeah, and man. I commented and I said, listen, y'all want to hear this whole entire episode of Schools Over Now, a podcast with Ryan Serhant? Click this link right here. And he saw it and he pinned the comment. So right now it's still pinned. Even, you know, years later, it's still pinned. Uh, you know, when you pin something, it becomes a number one thing. Sure, sure, sure. So I woke up the next day and I had over 75,000 downloads. Wow. So by far, I don't go into the game I'm in right now without having Ryan Serhant on. That's a beautiful story. I love it. I love it. Okay, so you talked about the interview. So let's let's transition there. When I first met you, I met you through Clubhouse, and you actually told a little bit of the story of your interview with Ryan. What's your process for the interview? And what I mean by that specifically is how do you make your interview stand out so it's not a cookie-cutter interview that everybody else can hear on a million other shows? What's your process? What advice can you give? to the listener right now to help them create a podcast that will help them stand out from the crowd. And I make them get emotional. I definitely want to make them cry. And, 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 and because that's going to be that story that's like, yo, whoa, I didn't even know they were going to go that deep, you know? And mm. I think about it, like one of the most recent uh, interviews I've done that's up right now that dropped last week. I interviewed the uh, supervising casting producer of Shark Tank. Yeah. Mindy Zimmer, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so good I'm, show. I'm, I'm interviewing Mindy. And I'm like, yo, you know what? I haven't hit that yet. I haven't yet. So I was like, we were just talking. And I was like, hey, you've seen a lot of pictures. You've seen a lot of people talking. You've seen all these different things happen. I want you to take me to like an emotional moment where you interview somebody. Well, not, I'm sorry, not interview. Where someone's made a pitch and it, and it was like the ball dropped in the room and everything changed. And she just starts telling me about, you know, this, this group of, you know, kids who kept their father's legacy going. He was a firefighter during like 9-11 and like they were just really by themselves and they were really making things happen. And she starts to cry. And I'm like, oh, snap. Because you got to dive deep into Mm. like those emotional moments. That's when people really reveal who they are. That's when they really reveal who they are or or make them dive into a story they don't commonly tell. You know, even I think about this right now. 
even with Seth Golden, I have found out that, you know, he doesn't like talking about his past. I still made him talk about it. And he still like, he doesn't like going way back in childhood. He still talked about it. He told me about his first business he ever ran and why he ran it. I think it's important to do that. I think it's important to tap into that. And I, I think that's where you really get those groundbreaking moments. What emotional moment stands out the most from your interviews? You mentioned one, and I just listened to that episode, great episode. I also love the way you pre-framed the episode by letting the audience know what they're going to get and giving them a, a tease to get them to commit to the episode. It, it definitely stands out as a, as a really great way to give people uh, you know, a little bit of a, a glimpse into what's happening. But what, what emotional moment of all the emotional moments that you've experienced and brought people through uh, in your interviews stands out the most? Mm. Oh man, it's uh, it's uh, so many different people, man. There's this this lady I interviewed who who travels the country, uh, well known speaker, does a lot of things for Eric Thomas. Her name's Tiffany Montgomery, mm-hmm. and you know my my wife put me on the Tiffany Montgomery. She's like she's like this like she she's in that that spiritual space where she can be mm-hmm. so strong and passionate, and she starts talking about how hard she was willing to go for her dreams and be an author and really speak. And she said, Sean, you just don't understand. When I was doing this, I was doing whatever it takes. I was in the hood. She said, I had people, you know, watching the block for me, make sure it was safe. I was in, and I can relate to where she was at. It was in Durham, North Carolina. She said, man, people would, would literally, the person who was watching to make sure I was safe, they got killed. And you know what I did? I still was back out there the same day with the caution tape and everything. Mm. You know, it, 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 it's just the hit of hunger behind people. That's what, that's what really, you know, ain't nothing like hearing people tell you the hunger they had when they first started. Cause a lot of us forget it. And if we could tap into that hunger that we had when we first started, we would keep going, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think that's, that's one of those emotional moments for me. Um, outside of everything that really stands out. And there's another girl by the name of Brittany McKinnon. And here's the thing, I'm telling you stories about people that people may not know of that they need to hear of because often as an interviewer, those are the most powerful stories. That's right. Yeah. They haven't been told. You know, so like like Brittany McKinnon had her on the show. She talked about how she had to deal with cerebral palsy and you know, and still run her business and come out of it. Like that, that's the stuff that that makes people want to root for you. And if you got something to make people want to root for you, you always win. Mm. I love I love what you said about and and what she said and, and the importance of being hungry. You've said something, and I'm curious what this means. What do these words mean to you? You don't dim your light. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, man, I I I gotta stay the same every room I walk in, because about the worst thing can happen to you is that you achieve a level of success, and then you ain't yourself. Because then you gotta act, you gotta act around everybody. But mm-hmm. in, in terms of like not, not dimming your light, you gotta show up who you are and, and and don't hold back and feel like okay, I gotta turn it down a notch. I gotta adjust my temperature to fit the temperature in the room. You know, when I when I was in Miami and I met Grant Cardone. And I met Ed Milet. You want me to tell you one of the very first things they noticed? What's that? It's the watch. It's 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 because I'm, I'm it's it's the the aura because I'm going to match your energy. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to match your energy. And, and I remember it's just all, those off stage conversations with so many people that I've had because you can easily show up and you can be starstruck, man. You can be starstruck. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. But but they can say starstruck. But we're not starstruck. I think that also will help build relationships. Like, yo, you put your draws on the same way I do. That's right. You know. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's what changes the game and not dim your light. Like even with Clubhouse, man. Like so many times you can sit in the audience or you can make it to the stage and and you can make it to that you know that that audio stage. And you can be just waiting, letting everybody get their rocks off, getting their words off, right? And you can have <laughs> something, and you can have something that just that's just powerful, you know. Stick to your uniqueness, your authentic self. It is going to resonate with somebody. It may not resonate with the first person you thought it would, but somebody down in the audience or somebody watching you, like they're watching me and you. Somebody gonna resonate with it, and then you're gonna get one of those messages. It's like, yo, thank you for saying that. And I don't care what kind of room it is, especially in Clubhouse. Like, I don't even care if it's like one of those dry, boring rooms. You show up with all the energy, they're gonna recognize it. So don't right. Do that. And it's not how much you talk; it's what you say. It's how you mm-hmm. say it. And and you may not need to take three or five minutes. You could take sixty seconds, thirty seconds, and lay something out that's so powerful and memorable. I, I want to come full circle to promotion because this is where you started as a fourteen year old. 
But I also think it's something that's really played a part in your success here as a podcaster. One of the things that you've said, and I love this, is you got to tell your homies. What does that mean? And what does it look like when it's done right? Yeah, yeah man. Uh, in the beginning, man, that's all you got is your homies. It, it, either got you might have some people that you went to school with, maybe your Facebook friends, a little Instagram following. You know, like you got to let them know what you're doing, you know, and let them share it. Because it's going to take a while to kind of like, you know, get the world out there. You know what I'm saying? And, and you got to let people know, hey, look, this is what I'm working on. Yo, could you share this? Could you like this? Could you, you know, tell somebody about it? Can you run a contest around it that gets people in, excited about it, build a community around that? Um, you got to let them know what you're up to. And I think that's important um, because you, you need those shares. You need that. You, you, you need someone else screaming about it besides you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times people just put stuff out there it, you know it hurts my heart to see people putting out podcasts the wrong way you know yeah. a lot of people need guidance you know what I'm saying so I think it's important that they get that guidance because the worst thing you can do is work so hard on something and you just don't hear anything about it and I, and I think you can't be afraid to ask your friends in the beginning as you said that's all you got the, the second thing is this idea of creating hype which Again, coming full circle, you got to do that as a party promoter. You have to do that as a podcaster. So mm-hmm. what does that look like when done well? What are some uh, some examples of creating the hype for your show? Uh, you just talked you talked about that, Ryan Surian. That's uh, one way, you know, mm-hmm. obviously to, to help get visibility. But what are some other ways? Yeah, some other ways is that you want to create like a, like a snippet, a piece of the content that people can see before without seeing the whole thing. Right. Whether that's, you know, 15 seconds of this, you know, 30 seconds of that. You know, one of the things that work for me as far as uh, audio consumption, meaning, you know, how many people are actually listening for, you know, a good amount of time was putting those, you know, those snippets where a, a former guest may have said something really, really cool or really different, you know, and putting it in front of the podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Like You're like, oh, that caught my attention. You're going to stick around for a little bit longer to try to figure out, OK, what part of the episode does this happen at or, you know, where does she elaborate or he elaborates on that topic? Um, another way of just of creating like the, of the hype is that you just got to have this date in mind and you have to almost backtrack it. Say you're on a launch, right? You say, okay, I'm gonna launch my podcast June 14th, right? You're going to, you got, you know, at least two weeks or 10 days to talk about it, you know? So think about what are, you know, one of three things about your show that people can expect. Those are ways to create, you know, hype around your podcast, giving those snippets, I think it's definitely going to be a key for you. And maybe perhaps if you're just launching, maybe you have a contest within the first week that your show is launched. So within that first week, you're like, you know what? I'm going to give away these AirPod Pros and I'm going to pick, you know, one person who's left a review of my podcast by the end of next week, right? Give yourself some time where people can go listen to your show. And next thing you know, you got 20 plus reviews of people enjoying it. So that those are ways that you want to, you know, kind of create the hype. Mm, I love it. Build anticipation, leverage the power of, a contest, such, such valuable nuggets. What else? I don't want to leave any, uh, I don't want to leave any juice in the orange. What other promotion tips do you have that you've either used or you've helped others use? Cause I know you're big on helping other people build their brand through podcasting. What are some other promotion tips that stand out? Yeah. I mean, one, you could, you could partner with other companies, you know, you could partner with brands, you can have them a part of your show uh, and, and get them their buying in, right? So like right now, me and you could be talking and I could say, look, I just did a, a brand deal with Trolley Sour Bite Crawlers right? and I could just be just eating them while you're talking Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And, and what Trolley would do, they would say, okay, let's let's put some money down, let's invest into them, let's spread this out more, right? So like th- those are different ways you can put products, basically what I'm saying if you guys aren't watching the visual, you can put products next to you as you're speaking you can put your own products and sometimes people jump into podcasting and they actually have businesses that they have already established yeah right? put that product around you you know it's called product placement for a reason and, and, and sometimes those things can really help you out i see you reaching for a product you must got one i don't have a product right, this, this is a product it's a Golf, golf club, but not my product, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, man, I, I think that is key. Cross collaboration, man. Cross collaboration is key. You probably don't have people talk about that to the end of the day, right? Like what we're doing now, totally. we're, we're collaborating. Like like having people on your show that may have a, have their own show, you know, have you know, working with people who have a certain audience. Sometimes it's not about a big audience. Who has an engaged audience, right? Mm. They're getting twenty plus comments every time they make a post. That's an engaged audience. I don't care how you know how big the number is, unless it's truly lopsided. You know that might be somebody that you want to bring on for the expertise, and it might be their very first time ever doing a podcast. 
So they might have some promotions. I remember, and the reason why I mentioned Brittany McKinnon earlier, she's the only guest I've ever had on my show who ran her own promotion. And I hear something about ran her own promotion after the podcast. She wanted people to listen to the episode so much that she picked a person who left a review on my podcast just to give them like $250. Right. No like, way. So next wow. thing you want the reviews, you're like, whole lot of Britney's in here. Oh, they must really like this. <laughs> you know? So like that's the way you're oh, doing it, man. man. Pretty dope. I love it. I love it. Fire right there. Okay, so we're we're winding down. I have a couple more questions and we'll we'll wrap up. What piece of technology or pieces of technology can you not live without as a podcaster that you absolutely love that you'd recommend? Uh now that I have it, and I didn't have this in the beginning, uh Roadcaster Pro. I got the suitcase to, to take that thing on a flight. I uh, have uh, the pod mics that are for it. Not this mic, but the pod mics that can go right in that case. Um, and it's just the travel and all. And of course, the, you're going to need a laptop. So I'm definitely on my MacBook at all times. Um, between the Rodecaster Pro um, and the MacBook, you could be unstoppable. Yeah, man. Love that. I just got my Rodecaster too. Okay. So what part of the process of your process stands out as the most critical thing that you've implemented that you didn't have at the beginning it could be batching it could be hiring a team it could be any number of things what part of your process would be valuable to share oh man it's definitely got to be the batching man i mean you you hit that i mean here's the reason why i would say that though uh because in the beginning right i was struggling trying to figure out what's my next what's my next episode gonna be like who i'm gonna have on what i'm gonna do and actually you know you're 24 hours between the time you committed to showing up consistently like i ain't got nothing Right, so, so for me, what really helped was realizing a structure behind my show outside of the batch, right? Of course, you have the days you just do your interviews, the days you just record content. But the structure is what really changed the game for me. So I came up with a structure where in a four-week period in a month, you about to get to the gym now, within a, within yeah. a four-week period in a month, uh, the first episode of every month will always be a solo episode, right? So like, you, you might get a solo episode. These are sometimes they're interchangeable. You might get a solo episode, maybe, you know, 10, 10 minutes below, but it's going to be powerful. And I pick my solo episodes off of what's resonating with my audience on Instagram. So I also, with my content on Instagram, you might see me drop several different quotes. This is off the top of my head, how I'm feeling. And I'm looking at, okay, this quote got a 1,700 likes, shared 300 times. Okay, I can elaborate mm. on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, sure. So that become, that could, Market that research. Up. Yeah, and I, I know it's going to work. So, like, so okay, so I can elaborate on that. So then that becomes, you know, a solo episode because remember, my podcast is the motivation you need to figure out what you're going to do next. So that becomes that. The second week becomes Extra Credit Friday. So I input, you know, I created this new thing where I've interviewed so many people, I can go back and revisit a conversation. But I don't want to just go back and just press rerun. Mm. I, I want to go back and pull a nugget out of that conversation that you can digest in less than five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. So you might be running, you might be walking, you might just be getting in and out of the car. So I'll go back and I'll, I'll take a former guest, give you five, less than five minutes, something powerful they said. And so that's extra credit Fridays. Then the third and fourth week is always interviews. So like the third or fourth week, it's a, it's a new guest. It's a new guest back to back. And then when you batch, like let's say you batch and you interview like, like in March, I mean, I probably interview like, like 12 people in March within uh, three days, right? Wow. So I got all these interviews, right? and, and I'm just sitting on them. And like, I'm like, I was, I was just talking to you know somebody the other day. I was talking to Jen uh, Gottlieb, who who's uh, who's who, who's big in the PR space, and her, her her husband do a lot of things together. So I told her, yeah, the episode coming out next month. And back in my house, I myself, man, we recorded that thing in June. We recorded, <laughs> we recorded that thing in March. So yeah, so yeah, so like that that makes this the pressure. You know, you know, less, you know, especially when you got, you can click a Google drive file and you just see a bunch of interviews that the world hasn't heard yet. Man, love, love, love it. Value bomb right there. If this is clubhouse, there'd be mics dropping <laughs> and, uh, tapping. you know, tapping. <laughs> All right, man. So last question for you. I know one of your dream guests would have been Kobe. Yeah. If you could interview him, yeah. what would be the first question you would ask him? Boy, this guy's got a new Kobe book recently. The first question I was asked, I would ask it to Kobe Bryant. How did you separate the Mamba mentality from your family? Why? That's how I ask. Why would you ask that? Nobody's got to figure it out yet. 
Everybody, everybody wants to be um, the best. Everyone wants to have balance. Nobody got it figured out yet. Even some of these people that we really look up to who are really good at what they do, they tell you, shit, I don't know. There ain't no balance. But there had to be a way. How Because if you look at his life and you look at the videos, you look at um, all that stuff, he figured it out. It might, it might not have always done it the way you, you should have probably done it. But how, did, how does he separate the mamba mm. from his real life? Yeah, man, it's powerful, powerful question. I, I love it. And and just on the spot, you came up with there. Maybe you've been thinking about that. Nah, I don't know. That's on the spot. Yeah. On the spot. Okay. <laughs> well, Sean, listen, man, I want to let everybody know you can go to schoolsovernowwhat.com. Your podcast, Schools Over Now What, can be found everywhere. You also have an ebook, Podcast Secrets Revealed. Your social media handle is Sean R. Anthony underscore. You're active on Clubhouse. You have a room every Monday that I try to go to. I'm sorry, man. I've had baseball, but baseball's <laughs> base, base, baseball is winding down, so I'll be there more often. But you also have a massive club there, Podcast Secrets Revealed. Where else can they find you to learn more from your genius? Oh, man, you said it, man. I, I'm about to crank up on uh, Patreon. So Patreon, I'm about to really crank it up, man. I'm about to just get away all the secrets up there, man. I'm about to just give them all away. I think that's what the people want. So I think uh, that that's going to be a source I'm really going to crank up um, as well. But yeah, find me on all platforms at Sean R. Anthony underscore. You're giving them the ebook, so that's dope. Uh, there's some things coming, man. So that's, so stay, stay in touch with me. There's a lot, lot more coming we're about to create. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you the final word, and I'm going to set you up, but I'm going to say something that you say, which is, and I want you to tell me why these words mean something to you. Dream it, believe it, and go out and get it. Man, you do your research. <laughs> um, the, the, the reason why it means something for me is because if I didn't dream it, if I didn't believe it and, and went out and, and got it, I would be living somebody else's dream. I would be living somebody else's dream and, and, and uh, it's important for whenever I talk to anybody, whoever I interview or whoever hears me speak and if they never hear me speak again, that those are the last things they hear because they need to go live whatever their dream is and they just need to make whatever thing happen, happen, shift it and just really go out there and make it come true. Powerful. Sean, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy and a delight to hear your story, to be inspired by the work you're doing. You're a trailblazer. You're truly uh, somebody that I gr greatly admire, and I'm so glad that we've crossed paths uh, and, and that I get the chance to have this opportunity to learn from you and share it with the audience. Sean Anthony, thank you for being on For the Love of Podcast. Appreciate you, man.